welcome to Canny Cross Conversations with me, Michelle. And me, Louise, talking all things dogs, running and canny sports. This episode is sponsored by the Get Stronger Run a Faster 5K course. It's great for canny crossers and runners to improve their 5K time and keep up with their dogs. Welcome to this episode of Canny Cross Conversations. Today we're joined by Ash and the Hounds and we're learning all about a new type of canny sport again. Um, Ash races with a rig so she's going to tell us all about that today. So hi Ash, thanks so much for joining us. Do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit for our listeners? Hi, um, I'm Ashley. Um, I race with um, my four dogs in competition um, and I live up in Scotland um, and that's that's me so far. <laughs> so how did you get into, so you race with a rig, you need to tell us about this. I've seen pictures and I've not seen it in action actually. So Yeah, um, it, it looks terrifying and we really want to learn a little bit more about what you do. So yeah, tell us, tell us what it is, just describe it for us. Um, well, for a rig, you can either have three wheels or you can have four wheels. Um, for me, I've 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 opted to have four wheels because um, I find my team's quite strong and it because we go quite fast into corners. What I would make up in if I was on a three wheel rig, I would break a lot. So um, with the four wheels, just gives me a bit more confidence. In my class, it's optional. You can run four wheels or three. In other classes, like bigger classes, six and eight, you must have four wheels. Um, so some people per- don't prefer the four wheels in my class because it is slower with the four wheels. Um, so they opt for the majority of people I race against have three wheels. It's just basically um, you stand one foot on each foot plate um, and it's got like bike steering with brakes as well. Sounds uh, sounds fascinating. I mean, I've seen you do it and it's fast, isn't it? Uh, yeah, we, we average about 20, between 22 and 24 miles per hour um max speeds you can you can really hit some some top speeds um but yeah roughly about 23 miles per hour average and is everyone in your class running with four dogs is that the yeah so i'm in the dr4 which means four dogs you can drop down so if you have a dog with an injury you can drop down to three dogs um, but you can't obviously add dogs because that's an advantage. So three to four dogs um, is is what I run in. And I'm in the open class, which means you can run any breed, any breed, any speed is what they say, as long as they're willing to run. Um, <laughs> but uh, so they have a whole separate class, DR4NB, which means Nordic breed. So I think some canny cross people might come across some competitions where they are split into Nordics and open okay so that do that in canny cross actually yeah. <laughs> let's ask a little bit about your dogs then tell us about them oh they're the love of my life I love them oh, um I have I actually have five dogs um my first ever was uh and well is still is Diesel he is um Diesel 119.9 he is a Siberian <laughs> husky and he is 17 years old wow um yeah wow. and he's still going strong to this day he's a bit stiff in his back end but 
he is all there and he still gives you a run for your money. You cannot let that thing off the lead. <laughs> he still will. He, I'll let him off once he's tired, but um, he still makes a sprint down the beach if he can. <laughs> um, and then I've got four, obviously, of my hounds, which I have Alba and Nevis. They are brother and sister of a breeding that I did myself. Um, they are what we'd call probably Euro hounds. And then I have Odin. He's from Lena Boyston. She's quite well known in the sled dog world in the rig classes and sleds. Um, she's like a world champion from Norway. So uh, that's where he's from. And Rab, he is my youngest. So the rest are all four. And Rab, he is my youngest and he is two years old. And he's from Vicky Poulin, which a lot of people would recognise that name. Yeah. So what made you get into, I mean, we'll come back to the dogs, but I'm just, what made you get into rigs? Because is it popular in Scotland? Because yeah, we don't see it down here that much, I don't think. I might be wrong. Um, it's, it, it, there is a lot a lot of it goes on around, uh, like Vicky Poulin, she's from England, but I got into it because we have this massive race every January a lot of the people from down south make it their like holiday um for the for the husky Siberian husky clubs um and they uh it's just 45 minutes from my house in Aviemore but people travel all over the UK to come to it and it's just a massive sled dog race for Siberians only um the whooping class um and I went one day with my family because it's only 45 minutes away and we went and saw them racing and running and I thought wow that's that's incredible. I, I want to do that. And I think my parents were like, of course, Ashley, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just poo-pooed <laughs> it. And then before you know it, I've got my first husky and it was all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> so you've gone straight into this this class then. So you haven't kind of gone in via canny cross because a lot of the other guests we've interviewed have always started with having dogs and then running with them. So you've gone straight in at the deep end, really, haven't you? It was it was weird my journey actually because I started with my my one dog and I would had a scooter, and yeah. I was oh it was terrible because I remember starting off and building it myself and the two wheels came off and everything oh it was a nightmare but I was walking them through the town and a couple Tim and Louise Sugars stopped me and said you know come and train with us um, so I went with them and their huskies and they let me uh, let me go on one of their rigs and. Diesel joined some te- a team and I just followed one of their teams and I got into it that way. And then I realised that there's um, canny cross and I actually started canny crossing because I was quite a fit person and I, I loved running. So I used to canny cross with Diesel as well. And I got into that and I did quite well, actually. I went to the ECF, it was called at that time in France. Um, I came third in, in the canny cross there. And that was my first big competition, my first running competition, actually. And then when I realised, God, this is quite a good thing, I joined a running club and started getting my speeds up. Um, And then I actually got a hip injury. So I've had hip surgery, so I can't run anymore. So that's when I started looking into like the two dog class on rigs. um, And I got into it with two hounds, Kiwi and Peach. And I did quite well with them. And then I got three dogs and then upped into four dogs and here I am today wow so how long has that kind of taken you to get to where you are now probably um probably about 10 years just um dabbling in it really and I was we have SEDAS which is Sled Dog Association of Scotland and I I started in the two with um Kiwi and Peach um and I did really well in that and then it just gets you more and more confidence if you start 
small and work your way up um and then that's what I've done and and then I got my my own litter and bread and and things like that and it just kind of grew from there you kind of get the need for speed in a way you kind of get caught on that addiction um and thrill it is a thrill isn't it I mean it's just a thrill running but let alone being on wheels and going as fast as you are that's uh yeah very scary very scary so it (laughs) I'm thinking sled dogs is a different thing to did it start differently from canny cross has that come across from Europe more than canny cross um uh, yeah I think it like for rig classes it's it's what the Europeans use to kind of keep fit when there's no snow um so you know they'll um when it's autumn and it's kind of there is no snow and it's milder they'll they'll train on engineless quads or engine quads or rig races as well. So I think for them, it's kind of the warm up to their proper seasons uh, and then they'll keep their dogs fit and ready for when they actually do races on on the snow. But obviously we don't get a a snow season like they do. So we are just dry land. So what we do is called dry land. And then obviously that's the sleds, this this sled. Yeah, so it's it's obviously really hard work for the dogs. How physically demanding is it for you? It depends how good your team is. Um, Because if you don't have to get off to help them, then, you know, like mine, I, I, I... let them do all the work sadly they they I don't really need to aid them but what I physically find is is when you go training and I use a an engineless quad and it's heavy and for me I putting it onto I've got a little trailer and putting it on the trailer getting it off holding my dogs because they're really strong I, um I was um with friends at the weekend and they took Rab and were so surprised how strong he was um, so I do, you know, try to keep myself fit and strong. So I do quite a bit of strength work in the gym. Yes. Um, looking at me, you wouldn't think I'm that strong, but I can hold my dogs and I have developed more strength because of their strength. And I've, I've learned I have to be able to hold them if I need to and not let like them complete. I couldn't hold all four at the same time. Don't get me wrong. There's no hope in hell of doing that. But no. I do try and you know be able to hold my dog safely when they're when they're on the lead and things like that. And it, and and just moving my kit and equipment, even a 15 kilo you know bag of dog food. And um, my kennels are at the bottom of the garden, so I have to make sure I can be able to lift all these things. So physically, I try and keep myself fit in that kind of way. Plus, I I'm from a gymnastics background, and I think fitness is. It's just built in me. I, I I like to be on my bike and things like that and keep fit anyway. Yeah, so you should have a nice, strong core. Yes, very much. Bracing. <laughs> you have to get that well, into most podcasts. <laughs> well, quads as well. When you're on the rig and you're racing, you kind of do a kind of a squat position to keep nice yeah. and low and aerodynamic. And you, you, you do feel when you've been off season and you go back onto your race rig, you, you feel a slight burn in your thighs. <laughs> It's only help. I felt that and this weekend I was canny cross racing and oh my quads are absolutely killing me at the moment. And I haven't I've not been ill for a couple of weeks, so I've not done as much training. And like you say, you can really feel it. So um that's just from running. So it's slightly <laughs> worrying, isn't it? <laughs> so aside from your strength training, um what what other kind of training do you incorporate for you and the dogs in the run up to you know competing? What does it look like for you both? you all should say it's it can vary um I I try to keep it quite different when um they were younger I obviously I I like to do one-to-one work with them to make sure each dog 
can be up front and lead the team. So all my dogs are really good on their commands. And I did that by biking them um, individually. And especially during the summer when the temperatures are higher, um, I'm quite, some people say obsessive. I like to use the word dedicated. (laughs) Um, (laughs) During the summer, I would camp out in my van and get up about three or four in the morning and take them out on the bike along the beach or in the wooden trails where the temperatures are lower. And even if it was just half a mile, a mile, depending on temperatures and humidity, I would take them and teach them their turns. And then we'd end up free running in the beach and cooling off. Um, And I would do that before work. And So then I know if I do get an injury and I have to have another dog up front, then they can all manage that if if it needs to be. Um, So that's one way we do it. The other ways I train is um, a mixture of I try and vary up a little bit between using my race rig for speed work so they, they can pull that quite quickly. Also for me not to get too used to, to my other means, which is my engineless quad. And that's really helps them build muscle. And I quite often use that when they're starting to go back into training because it keeps the top speeds down, gets them back into it, warms up their body, builds muscle and it prevents kind of injuries. And then I'll use my race rig for, like I say, the speed work, which lets them pull quickly. And also as well, because I'm on my engineless quad and you're sitting down and you're quite safe on that, when you step onto your race rig again, it's very light and very easy for them to move. So I try and make sure I, I, I don't lose confidence and I'll, I'll quickly nip on my race rig and, and do some speed work with them to get the top speeds back up and also for, for my confidence. And I think that's so important because even just going back into harness after the um, after the summer is, you know, you get a little bit nervous about, you know, being taken off again, don't you? It's just, it is a bit, it is a bit weird. So how often do you train them? And you talk about, so you do let them off and run free at times. Yeah, I've only got one one that I don't really trust off lead. Odin, he's a bird man. He likes he likes the birds. Got one and of those. Yeah. yeah, and he is he's got a lot of pointer in him and greyhound. So he, he's a greyster. So he's he's off, but he's the only one I wouldn't really trust. So I live um really, really lucky. I live next to this beach called Rose Isle and it's fantastic. And I'll let them free run and just open up and it's good for their muscles it's good for them to stretch out and and just to be a dog you know yeah. quite a lot of the times we're always in harness and um like even today I had a day off and I had a bit more time so I was like oh, just take them down to the beach and we'll run along the beach um and also the weather has changed quite rapidly so the temperatures were a bit higher than normal at the moment from from minus four at the weekend so I took them down to the beach where they can get the water and cool off. And then afterwards they can have a wee swim in the in the in the sea as well. So how much do you exercise them? Do you take them out every day, even if it's free running or I mean, because I mean, I suppose I take pickle out every day, but I don't always harness her up. Yeah, I, I don't race, I don't train them like in harness every day um, because it can be quite you know, high demand on their on their muscles and things like that. So if I don't, I'm I'm quite lucky. I've got like a we call it the paddock in our family. It's just a field, and I'll just let them play around in the garden, chasing each other or sniffing and smelling. And um, sometimes I take them to work with me, and on my lunch break, I'll take them for a walk if we're not training. Um, not all of them, just one at a time. <laughs> um, and then, but I do like to do something with them every day. But it's usually I sometimes I'll do two days on and then one day off, or sometimes I'll do one day on, one day off, one day on, one day off. Um, it all just depends on temperatures. It's it, I just try and vary it as much as possible as well. It keeps them on their toes. They don't quite get into a routine sometimes, and um, it just keeps it busy for them. 
No, that's that's um, that's it's fascinating actually. I really like finding out about how people train their dogs. You know, whether it's canny cross or, or whatever, it's it's really good. Um, what are you getting more people interested in what you do up in Scotland, or are there more people coming into the event? I'd actually find no, it's the other way round. Um, sadly, with with like in Sadas, when we used to go to races, there used to be eight dogs, six dogs, four dogs, massive classes and big entries. Now I go to Sadas events or even the BSSF events and there's hardly any rig classes. It's it's not as accessible. It's hard to find venues that are suitable for rig classes. I mean, you guys at Canicross, I think it's in the UK, it's quite easy to accept a step up from, you know, your local jogger. Um, oh, they've just got a dog attached to them. Whereas trying to find venues and, and places that would hold events for a, a sport that people don't really understand or even know exists in this country. Um, so like a lot of the entries are are getting more monosport entries, bike, scooter, canny cross, and less and less um, rig classes and it's so sad to see because I used to go down and one of the thrills going to Aviemore or going to Sadas was seeing the big teams run uh, good friends John and Mary Carter they are fantastic they were like world champions they're uh, kind, of, kind of taking a step back now but they had big teams um, and, and we don't see them as much anymore the big ones and it, it was fa- they were my favourite things to watch eight dogs in harness just something else I'm watching a lot of teams from Europe at the moment, and I just find it fascinating. One, just the control and the calmness of some of the dogs. I sent you a video the other day, didn't I, Michelle? Or yeah, it's in. incredible to see just how calm they are on that start line. They're obviously really excited to be going, but, yeah, yeah. it's amazing to watch. Could you, my, my, go on. Um, that is not the norm. Most teams are <laughs> raring to go. But when I went to Germany, there was, oh, my word, there was one team, and they were just you know stood out you can get the difference some some teams are very calm at the start and others prefer their team to be in the harness and mine I've got three that will line out not a peep not a sound and I can make them wait for five minutes Odin (laughs) he he doesn't quite understand that he'll do it if I take him out on the bike good as gold but if the I've got the team out. He just, he gets so excited, bless him. My dad sometimes, or my uncle comes to help me train sometimes and they'll take him for a walk whilst I get everybody else ready because he's just too excited, bless him. <laughs> and do you think what stops it growing in this country? It is a bit like you you say, finding events that will do um, rigs. But what about training for it? Because, you, I mean, you're lucky by the sounds of it because you've got the beach to train on. But how do how otherwise would you be able to train? Well, I I normally I have where I normally go training has actually been ruined this year. It's been a massive massive stress for me this year. Normally all my trails are quite good, and I've been really fortunate in the past. And the one time I'm travelling to Europe, and the forestry had gone in and just ripped up the trails. Like I, I would describe it as shrapnel was on the ground. I couldn't run the dogs on the on it without cutting. I was getting foot injury after foot injury. I've got um luckily I've Snow Postor have um sponsored me this year and they were fantastic and gave me little booties for my dogs to protect their feet because they run at such high speeds and the force they put through their paws 
you know, something that maybe I'm not being disrespectful, but a canny crosser could maybe get one because they can pick the trail a bit more suitable. And two, they're not going the same speeds or across the the, the ground. Um, So that's been a real stress and I can't run a team on the beach. So um, luckily my dad has connections with farmers and things like that. And we've had, especially on the lead up to Germany, we needed to find four miles. So um, we asked a farmer and he luckily let us use the the field but the dogs just by the end of you know trying to do four miles you had to do laps and laps of a field and they were just losing interest you know it was it wasn't fun for them so that's been a massive stress I know further down south um a lot of people have permits for Thetford Mm -hmm. and they're allowed to run in the forest there and we have permissions for the forestry up here we've got the Murray sled dog group where we're allowed to use certain forests but every single one that's on the permit is just ruined um with Scotland as well, we have SOAC, which is the right to roam. Um, right. So as long as you're not using an engine, you can pretty much go anywhere. Um, but we try to be respectful. And if you go somewhere, you, you don't use engines. You don't, you know, you, I go at night time. I train pretty much all the time in the dark where I'm not going to bump into because I've got four dogs. And if I come around the corner, there's a, a person walking their dog and, you know, that could cause problems. Um, obviously we're insured anyway, but it's it's just being polite and you like I would want my dog walk bombarded by a 22 mile per hour team coming <laughs> flying oh. That's gotta be a sight to behold if yeah, somebody sees you coming towards them. <laughs> it's the noise as well, because all you can hear is yeah. the dogs panting their breath. Cause when I'm on the engineless quad, it's quite peaceful actually. It's quite um, and that's what I'm finding with the the um, sled, actually. It's quite a nice, it's where I go to relax, to be fair. When I go training, I don't care really much about the racing. I love my training. It's where I go after a hard day of work. I'll just take the dogs out and I'll chill and relax. But I think that's why the numbers in the rig classes are decreasing because not only that, but trying to find race venues that would be suitable for races. The ground is good, um, that understand the sport you know, all these things. I mean, that was the BSF race cancelled there because it was clashing with a horse event and things like that. And I don't envy them that, but it's also, you know, trying to get all that coordinated. And then you've got climate change. You know, I've gone from minus four to 10 degrees. You know, these things are just out of their control. But do you think, and I'm going to put one in here because we've talked to various guests about this, actually. Do you think our dogs will adapt to... Uh, I mean, have you noticed it with your own dogs that running in slightly higher temperatures? I think if it's gradual, the change is gradual. They can adapt. But with the speeds, it changes. I find that it's a bit more it, more challenging. I mean, if it, if it drops dramatically, the dogs adapt quite quickly to drops in temperature. But I think the, the change, and this is just my personal experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that if going from minus four to 10 degrees, the dogs are... Their bodies are like, whoa, it's a bit warmer. But I think of myself as a runner, I I would notice that difference. So yeah, I think if it was a gradual change, they would, but they would adapt quite easily. But I think because it's so unpredictable and quite quick changes at the moment, I think the dogs do kind of, I wouldn't say struggle, but it's harder for them definitely. No, I think it's something that we're all going to be contending with at some point, isn't it? It seems to be, you know, September was really quite warm down here for the Candy Cross season to start. So it'd be interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that was one of the struggles I found when even going to Germany, I, you know, I invested in quite a lot to go there and, 
you know, the first day was 14, 15 degrees. And my my guys, I wouldn't comfortably race them any higher than that. Um, that would be, you know, that was my, oh God, this is, this is getting warm kind of, especially because they go at such high pace um, and uh, put their bodies through such high stress. You know, that's something... And that was November. That's just, you know, that's Christmas card writing time and getting organized for that kind of thing. You shouldn't be thinking about 15 degrees. Yeah, it's all a bit. So is that so you you were Scottish and British champion? Um, so how where, how did all that happen? And um, you know, how 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 do you do quite a lot internationally as well? Um yeah, well, the Sadas series is is the Scottish championship series and it's um really I love them they're a really friendly events put on by um the committee and they're just so much relaxed they really have they're quite welcoming as well and there's like a, quite a lot of races and you go and you just you know get points for every time you kind of go to a race and you know I think you can miss one weekend or something like that and if you then you get your position as Scottish champion if at the end of the series and it's it it runs usually between October to March and there's races all over Scotland and then obviously with the BSSF usually you have the the Welsh leg so this it's classed as it's like three weekends but it's classed as six races and it's two in Wales two in England and two in Scotland um but it's a lot of traveling for me so it's like 12 hours to Thetford there and then 12 hours back and the same with um you know Pembury is quite far away from me and that's where that one was meant to be and then even the Scottish like this year was meant to be in um I think it was Newcastle so even yeah so even that was you know not exactly north um, for me so it's quite an expense for me to do the, the British British one but I've really enjoyed meeting new people and I met some people when I went to Germany and I, it was really nice catching up with them and seeing them progress and they were canny crossers and things and I've met some really nice people through that uh, side of things as well. It's it's a great sport actually isn't it because even at the weekend so I do the canny cross Midlands series although I'm going to race hopefully at the weekend I can't remember where that is I've applied uh, booked in on somewhere through through someone else saying just come oh, do you've got another one in. <laughs> Yeah. I have no one, no idea where it is. But anyway, um, yeah, so I, and that's what I like about the Cross Midlands. It's the same sort of thing you do. You've got so many races. You've got two days of races each weekend that you do. And you, you have to do so many to, to gain points. So, um, yeah, it's quite exciting. But it just seems really sad to me that we can't, you know, that this can't become something else. Because Bike Jaw is becoming very, I think that's increasing. Uh, just from what I'm seeing, so people my sort of age, when I'm seeing them sort of, you know, in the 50s, uh, maybe having more niggles running. So a lot of them are going over to bike jaw and scooting. And not that you find me do that, but um, she says. But so you kind of think, well, why can't that lead on to more? But I assume, as you say, it's just the place places where people can try it out and do it. Yeah, like at Sadas, you, it's it's catered for everyone, rigs, bikes, canny cross. There's a lot more open to monosports um, events like Carry Cross Midlands. You know, you, you don't see a rig class there. It's not open to rigs. So that that cuts it out straight away. So a lot of people, I think, stay to the monosports because there's more events available. It's, um, you know, there's it's easier to have, you know, go out with your dogs on a bike than it is probably to find a training ground and things like that. So I think it is just because these are more accessible and more, you know, 
easier way to to train dogs and live with dogs and you know for somebody who's like oh I want to get into that it's much easier to get into bike during or scooting than it is just to go straight in and get you know a rig and, and all that kind of equipment um and I but it is it is I don't know what else can be done to kind of get people to go into the rig class maybe we'll see more people coming back into the rigs I don't know but it at least is nice to see people just getting fit with their dogs whether it's on scooters rigs whatever it is there has been a massive increase in canny cross scooting and bike jaw in the last couple of years and and that's something you know because the the British Federation they all see that towards their membership you know and just getting their foot in the door and like you say maybe some people will sit go to the British events and go wow these there's these mad people that go on rigs I want to have a go at that you know Uh, so it could it could get better for them but at least there is people out there in all kinds of weather, getting fit with their dogs. Yeah, no, <laughs> Do you ever think about going, sort of relocating abroad and doing it over in Europe? Well, funny you should mention this. Because it's <laughs> been so expensive for me in the British, and we've kind of, you've, we've done the races and things like that. And recently I've had, I've been spoiled and I've had a weekend up in Aviemore and there was snow and my friend, Tim and Lou, who got me in the sport, still looking after me, let me borrow their sled. So I've been playing about on the sled this weekend and a couple of weekends ago as well. And it's something that I just was like, wow, this is this. I can see why Norwegians and Swedish people just get into this because it's a different feeling altogether. It's, you know, there's not actual steering like our steering wheels and the dogs just just seem to have that bit more energy as well. I don't know why this, because obviously snow and, you know, lower temperatures, but it's something I was kind of thinking, do I want to go into putting all my money into fuel and doing another race season in Britain where, you know, I was committed, I saved the money and then it's kind of been cancelled through not, I, I don't know what's going on and I, something I'm not getting involved in. Um, but I was thinking, or do I save my holidays and my pennies and, you know, go abroad and speak to some kennels and say, hey, can I come in for a couple of weeks and working with you guys, help out around with your kennels, learn from you guys and maybe get some sled experience? Because at the end of the day, I don't care what I'm doing, whether it's training, racing, whatever. I just want to have the time with my dogs and see them enjoy it and me enjoy it. And I think that would be an adventure that... I would never ever forget if I could do that. Well, I yeah, that's why I said it because I just thought you know you've got all the sort of you've you've got the experience and stuff to take it take it over there, haven't you? And it sounds amazing. Yeah, I go on a skiing holiday and actually and try try some out. So I've been looking into that already. <laughs> it's something I would. I've just all like it's just come like after just that weekend playing on the snow and it's it's just a whole different feeling and and seeing how when I went to Germany and and met all these people and you know you could see how big a sport it is over there and how recognized it is and I was just like I was like a sponge I just wanted to absorb as much knowledge as I could and had I just want to experience maybe having a bit of going on a sled and and having a holiday with my dogs and doing something completely different because we've done the race the races here quite a lot and you know we've done quite quite well and this could just be another another adventure for us you know 
It sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it does. I will ask it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Um yeah, and, and perhaps if you do if you do go and try some actual snow sports, you'll come back and have a chat to us about them because we'd love oh, to definitely. hear about it. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And I hope you've all enjoyed that. Can people where can people find you? Um you're on Instagram. Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram and I am on Facebook as Ash and the Hounds. So go go and have a look because you can see the, there's some great videos up there of you uh, of you doing it and going very fast. So I hope you've enjoyed this uh, episode of Canny Cross Conversations. Do let us know, and if you've got any questions, I'm sure Ash will answer them about the rigs. I'm sure she would be happy to answer them to get more people involved in it. We'll see you next time. Thank you to our sponsor, Get Stronger, Run Faster 5K. Find out more about the course at the link in the show notes. It's great for canny crossers and runners to improve their 5K time and keep up with the dogs. And it will really help you to enjoy running more and avoid injury. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. And if you get a moment, please leave us a review. We'll see you next time on Canny Cross Conversations.